Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God, and one last time, turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians, and Philippians in chapter number 4. The book of Philippians and chapter number 4. We've marched through the book of Philippians, understanding this wonderful book that speaks about rejoicing and understanding where do we get our rejoicing from? It comes from knowing God, that I may know Him, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Remember the context that the Apostle Paul is in prison, house arrest right now. He is currently, present tense, chained up to a Roman guard 24-7. This is the idea of his house arrest, is that he is there, he is waiting, he is dependent, and yet he has learned some principles from God. And remember, a lot of times when people read the book of Philippians, they take it out of context, meaning they're not seeing Paul in prison. They see a lot of someone talking to others about rejoicing no matter what your circumstances, but it is quite different to hear the voice talking about rejoicing in our circumstances when they are in prison present tensely. And so with that, let's finish off this wonderful book of the Bible in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4, and let's pick it up in verse number 10. The book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein ye were also careful but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye also. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not that I desire a gift but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well speaking to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you, and all saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Philippians chapter number 4? The book of Philippians chapter number 4, and notice with me in verse number 13. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things 
through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Now we know that oftentimes people use this as a moniker. They use it as a slogan. They use this as a catchphrase. But what does this actually mean within its context? Well, we'll learn about it tonight and understand truly what Christ is giving Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. As Paul can say with the matter of fact, with an assurance, I can do all things through Christ. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is for you <laughs> to speak to us, Lord. For you to open up your word and teach us more. Thank you that we've been able to walk through this book of Philippians. And I honestly believe that anyone who's listened to these messages of the book of Philippians is strengthened in their own Christian life because of it. If they've applied the things that they've seen and heard. If they do them, Lord, you gave them great promises in this book that it's all about knowing you. And as the Apostle Paul is writing in prison, he is again giving his testimony about knowing you and being satisfied with you. I'm asking that you would help us to understand this even more, especially in the light of the things going on in the world now, that we would get a glimpse, that we would have an understanding in our own lives about what this means, that you strengthen us, that we can do all things through Christ. Thank you, Lord. Help me even now, fill me with your spirit, and let it be done the things that you wanted to get accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I can do all things through Christ. Now that's a bold statement that the Apostle Paul is able to declare, especially since he's in prison. If you don't mind, let's break through this passage here and give it understanding. And let's see this, that first of all, as Christ strengthens me, as Christ strengthens me, I can be content. As Christ strengthens me, I can be content. Now in Paul's day, when someone was thrown in a Roman prison, it was not the state's responsibility to feed the prisoners. For example, in our American um, prison system, they get three meals a day. That's doing pretty good. They get all kinds of benefits. They get all kinds of luxuries. They get all kinds of things. Roman prison is not American prison. The government did not supply any food, any niceties, nothing. That means that Paul had to be dependent on God for his every need. His physical needs had to be met by God. He was wholly dependent upon God. And of course God would use his saints to help take care of Paul. But it was God that would send them. And so when Paul is writing this, he's not writing from a mansion. Nor is he writing into a prison where he's getting fed regularly. And yet he can say, I could depend upon Christ. I'm trusting in him. Notice if you don't mind as we see this starting at verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Again, just think about what I said. He's in prison. The state is not supplying his finances. He just sent Epaphroditus home. But he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Why? That now at the last your care of me has flourished again. 
wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Meaning that Paul was dependent and God has taken care of him and he's used the church of Philippi to do it, even though the church of Philippi didn't always have the opportunity. What do you mean by that? It wasn't exactly like you could send a mail package to the apostle Paul in prison. In fact, anyone who would go to visit Paul would be looked at suspiciously. They would be looked at, oh, Paul is some kind of cult leader. Let's see who all sees him and let's investigate these guys. So could you imagine there was a lot of people who volunteered? Yeah, I'll travel through the roads, through everything with this money in hand and go visit Paul in the Roman prison. Nobody was very eager to go volunteer. That's why Epaphroditus went. And Epaphroditus went and supplied the needs and had brought these things from the Philippi. And Epaphroditus went shopping for Paul. Epaphroditus made the visits for Paul. Because Paul was unable to even take care of himself. But you know, Paul learned some things when he couldn't take care of himself during this time. Notice again in verse number 11. In fact, let me before I start there. That Paul is very dependent on the Lord and not even on churches or mail. You know, as it says here, the church of Philippi is pretty much the only one that has done this to take care of Paul. Think of all the churches that Paul had started. None of them have helped them. You think about the biggest church in the world at this time, the church of Jerusalem. In fact, it was the church of Jerusalem's fault. He's in prison anyways. He wouldn't have been in prison if it wasn't for the pastor of the church of Jerusalem trying to prove to Paul that he was still Jewish. He wouldn't have even been in prison. And yet the church of Jerusalem dropped him like a sack of hot potatoes and said, nope, nope. And he's been abandoned by everyone. So again, I'm trying to give you the context, but he says, I rejoice in the Lord. Because he's learned something about God's care. He's learned something about God's goodness in the first place. Notice if you don't mind in verse 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. He says, I'm not speaking of a place of desire. I'm not speaking of a place where, where I need something. Why? For I've learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. To be content. Paul was recognizing that God was the one that was taking care of him. He could trust God in any circumstance. In fact, Paul writes about this later on in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 where he says that godliness with contentment is great gain. He says when you learn how to be content Learn to be content. Now that's pretty amazing. Paul's in prison. He's missed meals. He has no way, no guarantee of any food. He just sent Epaphroditus back, the guy who was helping him. Where is he going to get his meals from with? And he says, listen, I could rejoice in God. Because I've learned I could trust in Christ. I could trust in God. I have learned to be content. Now remember that word learned carries the idea to do by experience. It's not book knowledge. It is the idea that he has learned Christ. He has learned that Christ is sufficient. That Christ is able. And so as we're looking in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. And we've saw verse number 11. This is pretty amazing. He has learned to be content. Notice with me verse 12. 
I know how both to be abased. The word abased means to be brought very low. To be brought at the lowest portion. He says, I've learned how to abase. And I've learned how to abound. I've learned how to be content when I have nothing. I've learned how to be content when I have everything I need. And the things that I want. I've learned how to be abased. I've learned to be content. I Everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and suffer need. He says, but I've learned in no matter what state I'm in to be content. If there was something that American Christianity really lacks is contentment. Because we're raised to be spoiled brats. We're raised to be contentious or uh, covetous people. Desiring things that we don't have. And throw fits if we don't get it. We're spiritual babies. But Paul says, I've learned no matter where I'm at to be content. You know, the pastime of so many Americans, the fault action is complain. It's too hot. It's too cold. He's too tall. He's too loud. You know, think about it. We default to complaining. My burger is not perfect when half the world is not eating like we are. They didn't get my order right, stupid people. It's not, you know, and we find things to complain about that the rest of the world is looking at us like, what? We're just glad to eat. Just glad to eat. I heard a missionary friend of mine. He says he went down to, um, um, I think it was Cuba. Uh, churches in Cuba. He went to go visit. It could be the wrong place. But as he uh, went to there, he said um, that he, he was there to do a revival. And every lunchtime he would have rice and a whole bunch of, uh, and a couple strips of chicken. Well, that's great. He's eating like the natives. That night, he would have rice and some chicken. The next uh, morning for lunch, he had rice and some chicken. And being a typical American, he said, you know what? I'm getting tired of this. It's not enough to fill me up. I'm not eating a lot. And my stomach's starting to complain a little bit. And, uh, you know, the chicken's kind of small and stuff. Surely they have something else. So he went to the missionary that he was staying with. And he was saying, you know, I really appreciate the food, but it, it seems kind of sparse. He says, oh, you're eating like a king. You see, all week, the normal diet of these people is nothing but rice. And then on Sunday, it's their one special day that the people get a strip of chicken to eat with their rice. But the people wanted to treat you as the visiting preacher so well that they've donated their chicken. Each family has donated their chicken to give to you so you could eat better than them for the rest of the week because they wanted to honor you. The preacher kind of felt a little small after that, not realizing how much we really have and what these people sacrificed to try to take care of him. And again, we're spoilt, rich Americans who throw fits over little things that the rest of the world is like, why are you complaining? It'd be almost like a millionaire in America saying, oh, 
which car do I get to drive today? I don't know which one I want to drive. I could drive this one or this one. I just don't know why it was so horrible to be me. And we'd be like looking at him like, at least you've got a car to drive that works. And the rest of the world looks at us like us when we complain over these little things. Here's the Apostle Paul. He says, I, God has placed me in all positions. He's placed me where I've had nothing. And he's taught me to be content. He's taught me when I had a lot of things. And he taught me to be content. When Paul was starting churches, he was content. When he was chained as a prisoner, he was content. When he was on his way to deliver a generous gift to the saints of Jerusalem, he was content. When he was preaching at the intellectual capital of the world, he was content. When he's leading a runaway slave to the Lord, he was content. When he was preaching to the king, the emperor, he was content. When he was writing a theological masterpiece, he was content. When he was about to stand before a court that might mean his death, he was content. He understood that no matter in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. No wonder you have that expression in the book of 1 Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Why is that so important? Because it is something most of us don't have. We're not content. We're not satisfied with what God has allowed us to have. And we complain and we murmur and we throw a fit and we're miserable. And we don't have to be. You see, the Apostle Paul learned to live in complete detachment from his circumstances. Meaning that the circumstances do not determine his contentness. His contentness comes from knowing God. And Jesus never changes. As long as God is on the throne, he can say, it is well. He's learned to be content. Paul learned the how to be content. Notice in verse 12. I have known both how to be abased and I know how to be abound. He's learned the how. How do I carry myself when I'm low? How do I carry myself when I am high? I have learned to be content. I've learned the how. How do I be content? How do I carry myself? How do I walk? No matter what, Paul is writing in prison. He has learned to be content. No matter where he's in prison, he says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things. He says, it doesn't matter where I'm at. My location does not depend, determine my contentness. Because God is everywhere and I can trust him everywhere. Whether he's in prison or whether he's not. I've learned to be content. Why? Because God strengthens me. Notice this. No matter what. In all things. Even in chains. Notice this. I know how. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere. And in all things. 
I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Paul has been taught how to live when he's hungry. He's been taught how to live when he's full. The secret is trusting God. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How could he be content? Because I could do all things through Christ. You understand, living a Christian life doesn't mean that you're always going to have plenty. It doesn't guarantee that you're always going to have food on your plate. But it says that there's always a Christ who's going to meet your needs. And that you can learn to be satisfied in Him. No matter what state. I can do all things in Christ. Paul says, I could be content in prison because of Christ that strengthens me. Notice he's not depending on him. He's not saying, let me tell you how great I am. I know how to be. No, no, no. He's saying, listen, I could be content in prison because of Christ. He strengthens me. By the way, I know how to abound. You know why most Christians aren't rich? Because we can't handle it. Amen. <laughs> we don't know how to be content. And so God doesn't trust us. So we could, but you know, we can learn how to trust Christ when we have plenty. And there are times that God does give us plenty. We can learn to live within our means. We can learn to live with what God has had and be content with what God has given to us. Whether it's a little bit or a lot bit. Because it's all dependent on Christ. Christ can strengthen me. He is the one. He is the source of the strength. This is the secret. I can trust I could do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Now that adds some more color to that phrase. Usually that verse is lifted out of context. And they use that. But in the context it's dealing with the idea of being content. That Christ satisfies me. Christ is my sufficiency. I can trust him. And because of him the joy of the Lord is is my strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You understand it all comes full, full circle now. How can Paul be content? He's learned a joy in the Lord. He's learned a joy in the Lord when he has nothing. He's learned a joy in the Lord when he has everything. He's learned a joy in the Lord when he's in prison. He's learned a joy in the Lord when he's starting churches. No matter where he's at, he's learned to joy in him. It is not my circumstances that determines my joy. It is my God who never changes that determines my joy. Well, as we start off and understand here that first of all, that as Christ strengthens me, I can be content. We see a second thing here. As Christ provides for me, I can give. As Christ provides for me, I can give. Now notice as he goes on in verse 14. He says, Notwithstanding ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction. So he commends the church at Philippi for them giving to Paul and taking care of him, especially through the missionary efforts. He's felt the lack of concern from the other churches. They should have helped him in his missionary journeys, but they didn't. It was the church of Philippi over and over. By the way, the church of Philippi was one of the poorest churches. And yet they found a way to give and supply for... for um, 
for Paul. Now, after starting the church at Philippi, the spiritual work that, the, that Paul had began to flourish and Paul had to take care of himself. Before, he was a tent maker, meaning that he built tents on the side to help provide for the ministry. But then it got to the place where there was so much work to do, he had to make a choice. Do I continue to supply on the side with a secular job or do I and neglect some of the work or do I go fully into the work and f- expect for God to supply? And so he had to make a choice. And so he said, I have to set aside the secular work. This work is more important. I have to go full force into it. I don't know how God is going to supply. I'm going to keep going. I remember one of my heroes of the faith, Dr. Curtis Hudson, after he first learned how to win souls, uh, he was amazed. He had been a pastor for a while, but never been taught how to win souls. Can you imagine that? He went to a soul winning clinic, learned how to win souls, went home and he says, I'm going to try it. Those preachers told me how to win souls. I'm going to see if it works. And so he knocked on a door in the first house. They invited him in and he got a lead of the Lord. He was afraid and shaky. And he says, went out of the church and said, God, I want to do that for the rest of my life. It's wonderful. Well, he was a mail carrier. And a small, small church, they couldn't uh, afford to supply for him. But as God started working on him more, he says, I, I got so much work to do, too many people to come to know Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just surrender all. And as a pastor, because this is what God has given me to do as a pastor, I'm going to go ahead and quit my job. And his wife said, what are we going to do? He says, listen, we're not going to complain. We're not going to murmur. And if we die hungry, you just tell, tell Satan that I was I died fasting for lost souls. He said, you know, we're going to be content. And we're going to watch God provide. And there were times that it got pretty close, but they watched God work. And it became the fastest growing church in all of Georgia, Forest Hills Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Why? Because he said, listen, There is a thing I'm going to have to trust God to supply. I'm going to have to trust God to work. Now Paul said had to do the same thing. They didn't have missions programs. They didn't have other things. He says the work's too much. I need to get it done. I can no longer do a secular job. I have to go full force into it. And so God you're going to have to supply. Paul said I'm willing to go hungry. But I have to get it done. And you know what? Not a single soul knew what Paul was going through. Paul didn't write letters to everyone and try to pressure them to give. He said, God, I'm going to ask you and I'm going to depend on you because I could trust you. And you know, the wonderful thing is that God hears and answers prayers and God is able to speak to others and say, hey, you know what? I think Paul can need something. And God was able to supply through the giving of other people because they chose to, not because they were guilted to. And he was able to trust God. He was able to work. And the church of Philippi was the one who led the way and continued to supply for him. Even when none of the other missionary church or another church uh, churches did anything for the missionary efforts, the church of Philippi did. And they were the poorest church. And they were willing to give. Notice as he goes on. Verse number 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He's writing back and says, let me tell you, I had great need and it was your gift that that met that need. 
And it wasn't just once, but it was time and time again where you would send a gift and it was just what I needed. You were used to to supply. He says, notice this in verse 17. Notice the motive of Paul. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit may abound to your account. He says, I didn't want you to give because I had a need. I want you to give because I know God is a debtor to no man. And God will take care of you for it. I wanted you to have blessings. I wanted you to have fruit to your account. Because you gave. Because you gave. It allowed me to take care of my needs. So I could win these people to the Lord. Because you gave those people are saved. You got fruit to your account. Because you gave. God used you to get his work accomplished. And I don't want you to supply. Because I have a need. I want you to give because God is going to bless you for it. I want you to have God's blessings. That's a good motive, isn't it? To have God's blessings. Notice again in verse 18. But I have all and abound and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent to you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says, He got what he needed. He sent back word that he gave enough. It was exactly what he needed. It was well pleasing to the Lord. But then notice verse 19. Once again verse 19. Is a verse that is ripped out of context. Time and time and time again. Let's see it in its context. But my God shall supply your need. According to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. It's a a lot quoted verse. But this context is in the light of giving to missions. That as you say, I'm going to help take care of a missionary. And I'm going to give above and beyond. Remember, there's different levels of giving. There's the tithe. You don't give the tithe. You bring the tithe. The tithe is already the Lord's. On top of the tithe is an offering. That is what you give of the part that's remaining that you have. But then missions is a faith work. It's giving what you don't have with the expectation that God is able to supply what I'm giving to the Lord to meet my bills, to take care of things. He's able to supply all your needs according to his riches. By the way, aren't you glad it's according to his riches? His bank account never reaches zero. It's never in the red. He owns it all. You know, there is a principle my pastor taught me, and we apply this too, that you can never outgive the Lord. That whenever you start giving, getting in more financial problems, take on another missionary. Because God made a promise that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Put God to the test. He's able to supply. You say, it doesn't work out on paper. I know. But God makes it work anyways. Because he honors it. He's a debtor to no man. It is amazing to see how God will do those things. It doesn't make sense. But God does it anyways. Now by the way. Someone may try to take this out of context. And they don't give. That verse is not for you. They don't give to missions. That verse is not for you. This is in the light of helping a missionary. And the missionary efforts to see men and women. Boys and girls get saved, churches to be started around the world. And as you give by faith, you have the expectation that God is going to take care of your lack. There's no such thing as a prosperity gospel where if you give $10, God's going to give you $100 back. But you know one thing about God is that he can make your bills go down. 
He can make your shoes last longer. He can make the gas go longer. He could protect you from things you don't even know was going to go wrong. God is able to take care of things. It's a promise. God's able to work it. But this is in the context of giving to missions. Saying, I trust God. Now, by the way, the one goes to the other. First of all, I've learned that God strengthens me and I could be content. No matter where it is, could be content. And because I could trust God, I have no problems giving to God because I could trust Him. You know what? Sometimes when you give to missions, that means that you get one less Big Mac a week. You will survive. It means maybe just a couple less candy bars. It's probably going to be good for you. You understand in America we're rich. And our suffering lack is that I don't have any chocolate in the house. We complain about so little things. We really don't have much need. But to put away some of those little things. To be able to give to missions. And then watch God take care of our needs. To watch him take care of some of these things that actually Paul have. said. He said, I desire that fruit would abound to your account. That you would have more fruit. I want you to have the blessing. I want you to see that God is trustworthy. Why? Where does this all come to? So we can learn to be content. You know one of the biggest stresses that any person has, saved or not saved, is finances. And when finances aren't lined up, it can be pretty stressful. Hard to sleep. What am I going to do? How am I going to take care of this? But if you learn... That as I obey God, God takes care of all of this. Even when it doesn't look like it's going to work out, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to lose sleep. You don't have to let your checkbook, your bank account, determine whether you have joy or not. Because I've learned to trust God. Now once again, this is easy to say, hard to do. But this is why the Apostle Paul said once again in verse uh, number uh, 11, For I have learned. Verse number 12, I am instructed. You see, he had to put God to the test. And putting him to the test, there was a little bit of worry. But the more that he watches God work, the less he had to worry about it. I understand that first step may say, well, I don't know how that's going to work out. But then when you take the step and it works out, you say, you know what? God's able. And then he puts you to the challenge again. I don't know how this is going to work out. God is able. God is able. You understand that as you follow God, you'll develop your own stories. I know my family's developed story after story after story, watching God supplying God work and watching God do things that are amazing in answers to prayer. All of that for the purpose that hopefully... We have learned that whatsoever state we are, that we can be content. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's joying in Christ, not my circumstances, that I get my strength from. Now, again, that's a reminder because our flesh could get in the way and we can look at circumstances pretty quickly. And as soon as we get our eyes off the Lord and the circumstances, guess what? Your contentment is the very first thing to go. How am I going to do this? How is this going to get accomplished? How are we going to get through here? Are we going to survive? And then the sky begins to fall and everything starts to collapse. The basic question I want to ask you, dear friend, are 
you content? Are you satisfied with Christ? Can you trust Him? Can you trust Him to be abased when there's nothing? Or can you trust Him when He abounds when there's a lot? Can you be trusted that whatever state you are, you could serve God? Now there's one thing to learn how to be abased and be satisfied. When I have nothing, when I have nothing, Christ is all I have. I might as well be satisfied with Him. But there's something about us Americans, and people in general, but Americans specific, that when everything's going well, we have enough money in the bank, we're getting things that we want, all of a sudden we, don't lo- we no longer need God and we're no longer trusting in God. That's why God can't trust us with finances. Because we stop looking and trusting in Him. We start to be content on what we have rather than who has given it to us. So I'm asking, no matter what state you are right now, I could be speaking to a bunch of poor people. I could be speaking to people that have what they need. Are you content? Godliness with contentment is great gain. How can I be content? I'm satisfied with Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches through Christ Jesus. That Christ is the one that strengthens us. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.